inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Tuesday, August 8th, 2023. The Feast of Blessed John Felton. In 1570, Pope St. Pius V, who is my favorite pope and one of my favorite saints, a Dominican pope, imagine, issued a bull excommunicating Queen Elizabeth I of England for heresy and illegitimate rule, which I guess means we shouldn't call her Queen Elizabeth I. Now, she, he hesitated a little bit to sign the declaration, knowing the effects over the entire world that it would have. In fact, it was encouraging King Philip of Spain to invade England and take back England for the Catholic faith. And it was the winds of chance that prevented Philip from actually showing up. And I mean that quite literally because they were, sa- they were sailing to England to take England back for the Catholic faith. And a massive windstorm pushed them out of the way and they were unable to come. Many have reported this to be a chastisement not on Spain, but on England because the people of England refused to stand up for the Catholic faith and the vast, vast, vast majority of priests, bishops, and laity just went along with the heretical sect of the Anglican Church. And so our Lord gave them up to their passions and they did not allow Philip to liberate the Catholics there. Now the bull was posted on the doors by Father, by Blessed Felton on the doors of the Bishop of London's palace on May 24th, 1570. The Catholic insurrectionists were all executed by Elizabeth, and that was numbered over 800 people. Hmm, and they call Bloody Mary Bloody, who only executed just a couple people. Very interesting narrative they have there. John Felton, a nobleman with a strong Catholic faith, took the action and spread awareness of the excommunication, posted the bull in in many provocative locations. The news, the excommunication spread by word of mouth all across London and all the various social classes. Felton was then denounced in prison and tortured for his attempt to depose Elizabeth. He was tortured to reveal his collaborators, but he stood strong and revealed nothing. On the scaffold before his execution, Felton publicly denied Elizabeth's right to the throne, but to show that he had no personal hatred for her and was only standing for what is true, he asked that his prized ring be given to Elizabeth Elizabeth, to show his love for her. And Blessed John Felton is an example of steadfastness in the face of torture and death and serves as an inspiration of fidelity to the Catholic cause. Now, his death was very gruesome. People who like to make fun of the Crusades and make fun of the Inquisition should know what they did to Blessed Felton. They hung him, but then they made sure that he did not die. And while he was hanging, they disemboweled him. And while he was disemboweled, they made sure that he was still alive. And then they hung, drawn, and quartered him, meaning they cut his limbs off and quartered him and sent his body parts across the, across the city so everybody could see. Very barbaric and, you know, what we would call a very civilized society of England, right? And that's what we see from the Anglicans and their hatred for the Catholic faith. So let us pray that we would have the courage of Blessed Felton and that we have the stand, the stand steadfastness that those in our country may not be like the Catholics in England who caved in to the winds of the culture, but instead stand fast against the culture and, and fidelity to the Catholic cause. Blessed John Felton, 
pray for us. Happy Tuesday to you. Uh, Joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Adrian. It is a historical account of the first time anybody said a statement and followed it with, no offense, though. (laughs) <laughs> he's like yeah he's Listen, like, he, you're not the queen <laughs> no offense though i'm just saying look don't take it personally but you have an illegitimate role you're an illegitimate, <laughs> illegitimate child and your mother is not the was not married to your father <laughs> oh man the accounts that are are lost to time you know you mm-hmm. you think uh, oh well that's just a piece of history back then and oh and then you figure out all the gruesome details and you you just need to uh take a minute and say Please pray for us. So yeah, that we can restore the culture. It's so funny though because it just drives me nuts how people always like, oh, the Inquisition was so bad. It's like, do y'all realize, like, what was going on in that time period? Like, what the Protestants were doing to the Catholics at the time, what yeah. the Jews were doing to the Catholics at the time, what the Muslims were doing to the Catholic at the time, and they're like, oh no, but the Inquisition. Um, guys, why is it you, we're gonna be taught playing blame games? First of all, the Inquisition wasn't that bad. In fact, most times it was mostly good. And the other places in the world that were doing things were much, much, much worse. So, yeah, modern you know. sensibilities, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. modern narrative, because they just don't even know about the other things. Amen. Now, at 15 past the hour, <laughs> talking about modern sensibilities, uh, transgender insanity has real world consequences. We're going to talk about that at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, this is what I'm talking about. This is a, this is great. 10 out of 10 news. Uh, Mark Houck is running for Congress. We're going to talk about that. Um, that was it's kind of old news at this point, but I finally got around to, to getting it talking about it. So we're going to talk about that. At 30 past the hour, at 45 past the hour, Minnesota babies who survive abortions no longer entitled to life-saving medical care. Hmm, that sounds like murder to me. I don't know about you, but okay. Um, in the next hour, parental alienation and estrangements. Debbie Giorgiani is joining us to talk about f- the fracturing of families. That's going to be a very interesting topic and a always a worthwhile topic to discuss. And as always, we have our Fear and Trembling Game Show. Um, all this coming up on the show today. You're not going to want to miss not one moment of it because it is jam-packed. So let's begin with prayer. We're going to be praying for your intentions, whatever it is that you have going on in your life, for our friends, our family, our benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for. We pray for the salvation of souls and liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. O Immaculata, Queen of heaven and earth, refuge of sinners and our most loving mother, God has willed to entrust the entire order of mercy to you. I, a repentant sinner, cast myself at your feet, humbly imploring you to take me with all that I am and have, holy to yourself as your possession and property. Please make of me and of all my powers of soul and body of my whole life and death and eternity, whatever most pleases you. If it pleases you, use all that I am and have without reserve wholly to accomplish what was said of you. She will crush your head and you alone have destroyed all heresies in the world. Let me be a fit instrument in your immaculate and merciful hands for introducing and increasing your glory to the maximum in all the many strayed and indifferent souls and thus help extend as far as possible the blessed kingdom of the most sacred heart of Jesus. For wherever you enter, you obtain the grace of conversion and growth in holiness, since it is through your hands that all graces come to us for the most sacred heart of Jesus. Allow me to praise you, O sacred virgin. Give me strength against your enemies. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee, and for those who that do not have recourse to thee. 
especially the Freemasons and those committed to thy care. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. And now, your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here are your Tuesday headlines. Thank you for starting the week with us. Postmillennial reports, U.S. deploys fleet of destroyers to Alaska to monitor unprecedented Russian and Chinese naval patrol. Eleven Russian and Chinese ships were spotted near the Alaskan Aleutian Islands earlier this month. While the enemy ships have since retreated, the unprecedented nature of the move has left the nation's defense agencies on high alert. The Chinese embassy attempted to downplay the seriousness of the situation, suggesting it wasn't meant to come off as a provocation. And LifeSite News reports, Catholics removed from church by police after protesting LGBT mass at World Youth Day. Many participants of the World Youth Day who identify as LGBT had gathered in the Church of Our Lady of the Incarnation for a, quote, LGBT mass, unquote. The mass was part of the LGBT-centric series of events at World Youth Day organized by the Global Network of Rainbow Catholics and a local Portuguese group. The counter-protests, which had been gathering outside, entered while chanting a reparative prayer against the mortal sins resulting from an LGBT ideology that today exists within the Catholic Church. And LifeSite reports, detransitioner Chloe Cole urges Ohio voters to protect children from transgender mutilation. Please keep this uh, intention in your prayers today. Today is a very important day in Ohio. She says, quote, there is a movement of immature, power-hungry adults who want to rid the world of all good and all structure, threatening to rip children from their loving families and place them into the clutches of a tyrannical government and those who blindly abide to it, unquote. Chloe Cole, who has testified in favor of numerous pieces of legislation designed to protect children from the irreversible chemical and surgical intervention for gender confusion, spoke again in Ohio to encourage citizens to vote in favor of Issue 1, for which a special election will be held today. If passed, the measure would increase the percentage of votes required to approve a constitutional amendment and secure parental rights in Ohio. Those are your breaking news and stories for now. Keep it dialed in Cath on Catholic Drive Time for more. Now, this gospel today is actually one of my favorite passages in the gospel, Matthew 14, verses 22 through 36. This is the story of Peter walking on water. Now, this story is incredibly uh, blessed uh, all the way across the board. Uh, one thing to keep in mind that I, I think is very interesting that most people would not notice here is what Cornelius Lapide points out. There are four miracles that happen in this passage. The first miracle is that he, our Lord, walked on the water. The second miracle is that he raised up Peter when he was afraid and beginning to sink. And so Peter was also walks on water and he sinks and our Lord pulls him out of the water. The third miracle is that he came into the ship and stilled the tempest. That as soon as he got on the boat, the storm stopped. Now the fourth miracle, and this is one that most people overlook and just don't even know about, is that he immediately brought the ship from the midst of the sea to the shore. Basically, what we might think of as like teleportation. And we have to realize that the apostles were out on the water about three miles from shore. About three miles from shore. And our Lord was out in the desert praying. And so they went off without him. And our Lord caught up with them. Did our Lord walk three miles in a couple minutes in a massive storm? No, our Lord, who had swiftness of movement, caught up with them. And while he was there, it's interesting to note that he says that they see him walking on the water and they were troubled saying it is an apparition. And they cried out for fear because 
you have to realize that it was night and there was a storm brewing. And it's also interesting to note when our Lord spoke, they heard him. Why is this significant? Because it's in the midst of a storm. Have you ever been outside in a storm and tried to speak to somebody? It is very, very loud. Have you ever been out in the water when the waters are very loud and the waves are crashing? It is not easy to hear across the boat, better yet, across the water. And yet when our Lord spoke, our Lord always spoke with seriousness, with calmness, and with courage, meaning he was very definitive in his speech. He did not need to scream. He just spoke, and it was heard across the waters, and the people knew. And Peter, who loved our Lord most, Peter, who loved our Lord most, heard his voice and knew that it was him. He knew it was not a phantasm. He knew it was not a demon trying to disguise him. Cornelius Lapide points out that Calvin, John Calvin, thinks that Peter here was being rash, and that's why he sank, that he was rash, and it was because he was believing in just random spirits, and that, yes, he was lucky that it was actually our Lord, but that you should not trust these spirits because it could have been a devil, and the devil often will pretend to be other things to try to trick you and drown you. But Cornelius Lapide points out that that is absurd because Peter heard his voice, and when our Lord speaks, the sheep hear his voice. And so Peter having great faith, steps out onto the water. But then he takes his eyes off of Christ. He takes his ears off of the still voice of Christ. Now think about that for a second. Think of Elias listening for the word of our Lord out in the desert. And he says he does not hear him in the raging wind and the tempest. He does not hear him in the earthquakes and the thunder, but in the still gentle breeze. He hears our Lord speak. And so Peter, gazing upon the beauty of the visage of our Lord, stands upon the water. But when he takes his eyes off of him, when he no longer has his ears attuned to the soft voice of our Lord, but instead hears the crashing waves, he begins to sink. But Peter then does what we must do when we fall into temptation. He immediately cried out for help. He immediately cries to our Lord and says, Lord, save me. And immediately, not in a minute, not in an hour, immediately, our Lord grabs him and draws him to himself and saves him from the storm. In the storm that we are enduring in our lives, let's call out to our Lord to save us. We'll be right back. Hey, Donnie, what are the four Gospels in the New Testament? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And who baptized Jesus? St. John the Baptist. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. What is a fanatic? Well, have you ever heard someone defending animal rights as if they have completely forgotten about human rights? G.K. Chesterton says that is a perfect example of a fanatic. 
someone with a sense of a particular truth that is too strong for his sense of the universal truth. He will invoke even cruelty to prevent cruelty to animals. Later, he may even invoke cruelty to animals to prevent cruelty to pit ponies. It is not merely that he has kept one thing and lost a thousand things. He has lost the basis even of the one thing. For a man cannot long remain right without a reason. We must accept all the universal truths so that we don't go off balance with one particular truth. And where do we find the perfect balance of all universal truths? In the Catholic Church. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. And welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, there are there's so many insanities in the world. And LifeSite News has this excellent article, Transgender Insanity Has Increasingly horrific, Horrifying Real-World Consequences. Now, this is a, it's absurd to even think about. I mean, we talk about this quite often. And I, I feel as though many people don't understand the gravity of the problem. They may never have encountered a transgender person in their life it is a small population or if you have you kind of maybe just look sideways and been like that's kind of strange because they just kind of look like transvestites people who like to cross dress and you're just like yikes that's weird and move on but the reality of the gruesomeness of it is something that once you see it you cannot unsee it i have uh, watched many of these stories of detransitioners I have watched many of these stories and I've seen what has happened to these people, the surgeries they go through, and the emotional and psychological damage they endure. And it utterly breaks my heart. And this, looking back, the people who did not stand up against these evils will be remembered the same way that we look at derision in a, der in a derisive way to those who had slaves. It's going to be so much worse for those who allowed children to be mutilated, even adults to be mutilated. We, shan't, we should not let adults mutilate themselves. This is not something that we should allow. Now, this article written by Jonathan Van Maren, he says, The decadence of our elites has become so pronounced that it's hard not to see the moment we are living through as the end of civilization. Now, this may seem to many people to be inflammatory and overstating the case. But I ask you, look at the other nations that have collapsed. Were they as bad as what we are today? Were their economics as bad as ours today? Was their moral degradation as bad as ours are today? I ask that question because typically the number one thing that happens before the fall of a, of a republic is moral decadence. Destruction of morality. And we're there. We're at the point where everything that is good is considered evil. And everything that is evil is considered good. I cannot think of a single example of where being good is actually considered good. And being evil is considered evil. Every single thing is turned on its head. 
Perhaps the only exception is murder. However, uh, we see people on the left call for the murder of right-wingers. It's okay as long as they're the ones being murdered. It's okay. We can release murderers from prison as long as it's the, the person that has the right politics. So even then, so what, what moral stance do we have? This should just be my, um, my campaign stump for uh, running for king. Um, <laughs> now, this article goes on. It says, Dylan Mulvaney, the famous guy, man, cos- cosplaying as a female social media influencer who recently tanked Bud Light, is now launching a college speaking tour. Now, let me know. Do you send your kids to college? Do you want your daughters to go to college? Do you want your sons to go to college? How many... I'm curious. How many of you raised your kids well and you thought your kids were going off to college and they were good kids? You you thought that they were raised very well and maybe they were raised well. And they went off to college and they came back and you were like, what happened? Like, why did they turn out this way? And I wonder how many of you have that experience. I know this happened to a, a lot of people. I was talking to some friends recently, and they were saying how, I don't know, I don't understand. My son was such a good kid. He went off to college, and now he is, like, raging leftists into all sorts of crazy things, and I don't know how it happened. And I'm like, did you send your kid to college? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> and the same people who rail against the horrible things going on in college will send their kids to college. Yeah, there's still this pervasive culture that tells you that you need to go to college. You need to go to college to be somebody. And, um, you know, I fell into that trap a long time ago, and it was a complete waste of time because back then it was, it was just the, the beginnings of this, this movement. And I remember going through it and thinking, wow, I have different ideas than these people. Wow, I'm experiencing a lot of anti-Catholic bigotry here. This is very interesting. I have a family friend, traditional Catholic family, really solid. They contribute to the parish. They are solid people in the, in the, uh, the, the fabric of society there at the church. They send their, their daughter, and she was completely fine. She comes back piercings on her nose, different colored hair. She identifies as trans. It's a mistake to send your kids here because who controls the colleges these days? Mm -hmm. Who is in control? Leftists and worse. Yeah. Now, the Dylan Mulvaney who's going across the speaking tour in the college campuses, he will be charging forty thousand dollars in speaking fees now if anybody wants to invite me to come speak at a university and pay for me half. forty thousand dollars <laughs> i will yeah i will do, i'll do it for twenty thousand and i'll donate the other twenty thousand to a charity um and yeah so if anybody wants to hit me up let me know i'm i'm down for uh for a for a speaking tour at that at that scale of price praise be to god there you go uh but they're paying people are paying dylan mulvaney 40 grand to speak at the universities now, the scale of the grift is epic, says Van, Jonathan Van Maren. A man playing a woman in public is not only accepted as a woman by the elites and those too cowed to point out the obvious, but it actually is fleecing his credulous public to the tune of tens of thousands of dollars to tell people how women can be empowered. You couldn't make this stuff up, and you wouldn't want to. Yeah, that's it's absurd. It's absolute absurdity when you uh, kind of see what's actually happening 
in the public sphere. Um, so let me know. Forty thousand dollars, I'll take it. Now, men identifying as women, I'll talk to you about women empowerment. There you go. <laughs> hey, you're gonna pay a man to do it. I might as well be an actual man. Uh, men identifying as women are achieving new heights for their new gender all of the time, as it turns out, and not just in sports where they frequently dominate for obvious reasons. A screenshot of an article of Marantam Rothblatt was making the rounds on Twitter again this week, announcing America's highest paid female CEO was born a man. You know, it's just crazy to me that the feminist movement is not up in arms against transgenders because they are literally put like knocking women off of the, uh, their pedestals constantly. Um, and in one way, I think it's hilarious that the feminists are being destroyed by their own ideology. And another way, obviously, this is sad because these transvestites are um, pretending to be women and being and replacing women in all the awards that they that women are trying to achieve. Rothblatt had sex change surgeries back in 1994, long before it was feted as a human right, and remained married to his wife, who, according to the ideology, abruptly found herself in a same-sex marriage long before it was legal. Yeah, this is the kind of utter stupidity of Mental our society. Gymnastics. So, a man and a woman. So, let me just try to explain what that just said. Like the, the the just word vomit right there. And it's not Jonathan Van Maren's fault. It's society's fault for trying to articulate this. A man and a woman are married. The man decides one day, I'm actually a woman, and surgically alters himself. To have a simulacrum, they look a look a little like a woman, but he remains married to his wife. But since he identifies as a woman, therefore, the marriage between him and his wife is considered a same-sex marriage, and he just turned his wife, according to their ideology, into a lesbian. That is the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, this this would be something that someone might say at a comedy club. And people would be like, ha, 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 that <laughs> makes no sense. That's ridiculous. There's, this is something that people are taking 100% seriously. This is the amount of decadence and confusion in our society. It's the destruction of language and reality. Who is to be master over reality is the question. My words make it so. It is not the word made flesh, the divine logos that gives intelligibility to the universe, that gives rationality to the universe, that makes us be able to understand what's around us. No, it's in fact our own words. The words out of my mouth, not the word out of the mouth of God. Now, John the Van Maren goes on. Every time the public is once again told to play along, moral permission is granted to this farce. People are being told they must believe the ideologues and not their own eyes. It's going to get much, much weirder in the days ahead as well. I've heard directly from educators that some students in Canada have begun to identify as animals. Now, we've known this for a while. We've talked about it. We reported on this like a year ago. Whenever there was a, they're putting litter boxes. Litter boxes in classrooms. If your kids go to a public school or a private school, it goes to school at all. Go check out your classrooms. Does your child's classroom have a litter box? Does your child's classroom covered in LGBT flags and other paraphernalia? Does it have these feminist ideologies of uh, of the the sign that says 
strong women never are weak uh, are well behaved women rarely make history is that on the wall these kind of ideologies of what does your teacher look like is that does your teacher have pink hair is he wearing a dress is she dressed like a man watch for these things protect your children it's going to have to unfortunately we're going to have to be in situations where it's going to be very weird for us we're going to have to actually go out and and make very uncomfortable situations in the public sphere where we got to ask questions to the kids, see what books are in the library at your kid's school, see what books are being put up in your child's classroom. Now, also, speaking of things that are going wrong, what about the women's prisons? They're sitting men, especially in California, is most prevalent, is most obvious, is putting hardened criminals, murderers, rapists into female prisons. And there are women in women prisons that are being impregnated. How is that possible at an all-female prison? Because they're shoving men in the prisons with them. And they're making them have abortions. Now, there was recently an 18-year-old boy who died after doctors tried to create a fake, let's just say, a female body part between the legs from part of his colon. And many people who have had the same surgery have so reported that they always smell like their their insides. Their body always smells bad. That's because they try to make a body part on your outside of your body from your colon. This is what's happening. This is what's happening in our society. And these stories have not making headlines. People are not hearing about it. People don't want to hear it because it's gross and it's bad. And I don't want to hear it. That's disgusting. Well, that's why we have to talk about it. Because the enemies of the church, the enemies of humanity, they thrive off of silence. When we come back, we're going to talk about Mark Houck running for Congress and what we can learn from his example right after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you really believe in a secret catching away of the church called the rapture? The pages of your Bible are empty of that type of talk. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, solid biblical doctrine is time-tested. This rapture idea got its wheels rolling by John Darby in about 1830. I mean, have you heard of a third coming? You know you haven't. Secondly, God's nature. There's no reasonable premise in Scripture, let alone in moral reasoning, for the results of a rapture scenario such as this. A Christian pilot is yanked, raptured, out of his jet, while scores of the remaining passengers who are not Christians violently crash to their death. Meanwhile, said pilot is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd, and believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, Tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with the Catholic apologist. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. Catholic News Agency reports, Archbishop Corleone says Chapter 11 bankruptcy for San Francisco is very likely. 
His Excellency revealed the news in an announcement in which he noted that following a 2019 California law that lifted the statute of limitations on certain sexual abuse claims, the Archdiocese was ultimately served with more than 500 civil lawsuits related to clerical sexual abuse. The Chapter 11 filing, the prelate said, would allow the Archdiocese to deal with hundreds of cases collectively rather than one at a time leading to what he would say, or rather would be, a faster resolution of hundreds of survivors, resulting in fair compensation and finally, hopefully, some peace and closure. The only overarching legal entity of the Archdiocese would be affected by the Chapter 11 filing, Cordelioni noted, parishes and schools would be unaffected. The Epic Times reports Americans amass record $1 trillion worth of credit card debt, some credit card interest rates have hit their highest level in 40 years. A recent study found that the average interest rates for new offers, which are often given at discount compared to the standard rate, is 22.39%, a sharp increase from 18.89% one year ago. Previous years held similar averages with 17.06% in 2010. The research group attributes the increase to a recent Federal Reserve hikes. The average household now holds more than $10,000 in credit card debt, according to one estimate. And Catholic Vote The Loop reports cashless society fears coming true in Australia. Major Australian banks aren't allowing customers to withdraw cash at its city branches due to the new cashless movement. More than $1 billion worth of notes have disappeared from circulation in the past 12 months, leading to financial problems for Australians. Experts are also looking at China's push for cashless currency which goes hand-in-hand hand with the communist regime's surveillance and oppression of its citizens. Those are all your headlines this morning. May God bless all of your holy efforts today. Man, Rudy. San Francisco. San Francisco. And Yet Sandy. another city. Gone. Yeah. And they, you, mean, you, know, you expect the city to be gone, but the diocese too, pretty much. For what has been done over the, over the years, perhaps, that would be the fair thing to do. Now, according to His Excellency, none of the parishes are going to be affected. Hmm. But still, it it hurts to to contribute to the to the uh, to the basket on Sunday when yeah. you know that that money is is being used to pay off victims of sexual abuse. I mean, that let's let's talk about the elephant in the room. I mean, for my father-in-law before he died, I mean that was a huge thing that let him out of the church. These scandals, hmm. these public scandals. Lord have mercy on us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the difficulty is the scandals in the church, these wicked prelates um, in Court of Leon. I mean, yeah, as far as I'm aware, he seems to be a solid bishop. Um, but the wicked prelates just put everybody in a horrific situation. And it's just like, how do you recover from that? It's, whew. It's sad to see is to see these situations happen um, on many, many fronts. Uh, those who are abused, of course, but those also who are now having to pay for that. Like, I didn't abuse anybody, but my money is going to be used to uh, to take care of the issue. It's just very sad to see. You know, I just think right now, it goes back to what we were talking about yesterday about St. Michael's Lent. Mm. We really yeah. need a time of penance, a time of prayer, a time of fasting for all the woes of the church. There's so many to count. 
I mean, we all have private intentions and we can do it for those as well, but we really need prayer, fasting, and penance for the salvation of souls and the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church. Amen, for sure. You know, because it's really easy for us to complain and just talk about what's going on, but then we never put our money where our mouth is and and do what needs to be done, which is reparation for all of these grave offenses against God and against his, his beloved creatures, you know, these poor victims of sexual abuse. Yeah, St. Michael's sure. Lent is coming up. Let's do it. Yeah, the Feast of the Assumption. So there you go, folks. All right, so let's talk about Mark Houck. Our dear friend Mark Houck, we've had him on CDT many, many times. He's a good guy, and um, you might remember him from him getting uh, his house raided because he was being uh, he's got caught being pro-life in public um, don't you hate when that happens um, <laughs> now obviously the charges were that he assaulted somebody but you know the guy was a guy harassed his son on the sidewalk as they were praying the rosary and trying to give sidewalk counseling and he shoved the guy and they uh, sent armed soldiers one might say you might say what FBI but armed soldiers, essentially, into his house, guns drawn, to arrest the man for pushing someone. It makes me think of whenever we were talking about California a second ago, I saw this video of this lady from San Francisco. I was making the rounds on Twitter, and she was uh, recording a video. She was like, I was walking through San Francisco, middle of the day. Some guy walks up to me just randomly, spits in my face, and starts screaming at me, and then walks away. And whenever he, she called the police, they were just like, yeah, there's nothing we do about that. And they raid the house of Mark Hauck for pushing somebody who was screaming at his son and saying vulgar things to his son. And they raid his house with police. Like, what on earth? Like, that's just the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. So Mark Hauck is running for office. He wants to run for Congress. He, his platform says, restoring faith, family, and freedom. I love that. I love that. That's great. And this is good. This is great. First of all, he's using the fact that that he has a now a more public platform. Like Mark Houck has always kind of made the rounds in Catholic circles. He's been invited to different speaking circles. Uh, not the most popular Catholic speaker, uh, but certainly he made rounds. He got invited to, to men's conferences mostly. If you're in the men's conference circuit, then you might have known Mark Houck previously. If you weren't in the men's conference circuit then you may have never heard of mark Houck before and now he was then on our on our show with grn and he was also with a life live joyfully and so you might have known him from that but now he has a much bigger platform because secular news outlets are interviewing him secular news outlets are covering his story and now he's what is he doing with that newly found publicity well now he's going to decide to fight for christ in the public sphere and this is exactly what we need Mark Houck, he says, why Mark Houck for Congress? He said, I have seen firsthand what an out-of-control government can do to its citizens, and I will fight to protect all people and their rights under God and our Constitution. My platform is based on common sense. Now, it's, other, it's also interesting to note that Mark has a love for the military and supporting veterans. He's put on many retreats taking care of veterans and taking care of people suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder and many other things. This is a man who genuinely cares about men and not in the way, because many people get mad at me for saying that, um, Mark, uh, that, um, that Andrew Tate is 
has not all bad. That's there are some things that we can learn from from Andrew Tate, and that he's has some good influence on young men. Whereas Mark Houck is just good. Mark Houck, I don't have to qualify. Like he is good person for men to look up to, for young boys to look up to. Um, he has many sons himself, many kids himself that he is raising in a godly and manly way. He goes out to the wilderness and he uh, builds altars in the wilderness with uh, with wood and knives and carving utensils. Um, he does this. He tries to show what it means to be a man and tries to encourage other men to be masculine. And this is the kind of person we need running for office. Now, this is the kind of person that we need running for office all across America, not just in one city in the world, not in just one state, United States, and not just Quakertown, Pennsylvania, but also everywhere else in the world. So more than trying to say, hey, we should donate a volunteer to Mark Halk, which I wouldn't say because uh, we're not allowed to say that. But instead, I'm saying if you're a good Catholic, if you love Almighty God, if you think that that there is a possibility that you could, in fact, be a good leader? Well, why don't you run for office? And it doesn't have to be national office. It doesn't have to be the governor or the mayor. You could be school board. It could be any number of things. It could be something very, very local. It could be local dog catcher, for crying out loud. We need Catholics to actually run for office and actually exert influence in the public sphere. We don't win by losing. And yes, politics is downstream of culture. And yes, culture is downstream of religion. But we don't, we're not bound to only work in one sphere at a time. We have some men who are dedicated to the fight in culture. Some men dedicated to the fight in the church. Some men dedicated to the fight in politics. We can do all three at the same time. And they can influence each other. Because they all, it's not simply that they're all downstream of one another in the way that I just said. Instead, they all affect one another. And so I'm going to become king of Texas and everybody else run for other offices. That would be a good plan. So go out and do that. Go out and see what will it take. Uh, what could you do? What's, what's the most you could do that you would actually do? And do that. When we come back, Minnesota is murdering babies. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Haven't you honestly wondered, why do all the different denominations break away from each other? Timeline, 1500s, Luther breaks from the Catholic Church. 16th century, John Knox is influenced by Calvin, breaks from Luther, thus the Presbyterians. 17th century, John Smith then breaks away and starts the Baptist. 18th century, Wesley breaks and starts the Methodist. Even crazier are all the scores of non-denominational individuals who break from each other, generally due to cosmic ego and, quote, a new revelation. Well, here's the three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Judges 21 says, quote, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Secondly, physics. Once the dam breaks, water goes where it will. Luther broke Canon Law 331, which says about the Pope, By virtue of his office, he possesses supreme, full, immediate, and universal ordinary power in the church. And thirdly, my take. Gifted theologians can be just like my fourth grade friend who said, I'm taking my bat and ball and going home. 
Hey, Donnie, who was the first pope to whom Jesus said, you are the rock upon which I will build my church? St. Peter. And who is the current pope? Pope Francis. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. I had a comment come in. Tammy says, uh, Adrian, just king of Texas. What about the other states in need? What about the king of the United States? Look, one step at a time, Tammy. First king of <laughs> Texas, next emperor of America. America's too big to be, uh, <laughs> to be a kingdom. It's just way too big. It would have to be something more akin to like the Holy Roman Empire where you have an emperor, and then you have kings in separate states. So every state could be its own kingdom. And then you have an emperor that kind of has, has always over the the entire empire. Um, because America really is an empire. It's it's not. And every governor, every governor essentially is the king of his state, and the president essentially is the, the king or the emperor of America. I mean, that's kind of the way it's set up, obviously with checks and balances and all that jazz uh, for what it's worth anymore. But there you go, folks. So anyway, this story at LifeSite News. Minnesota babies who survive abortions no longer entitled to life-saving medical care. So usually when people say that there are people are committing baby murder, they mean they're committing baby murder in the womb of the mother. Here, they're committing baby murder to born babies, which 99% of Americans are against. 99% of Americans will tell you it's it's a nonsensical position, but it's a position that they hold nonetheless, that a baby is a baby once it's born. Now, obviously, from the pro-life perspective, that makes no sense whatsoever. What's the difference between a baby uh, five seconds before it was born and five seconds after it was born? There is no real difference. But from the public sphere, there is no difference. There is no difference. But for the public sphere, they say well, yeah, yeah. Obviously, once it's born, you can't kill it. So what's going on in Minnesota? In Minnesota abortions reporting forms no longer must note whether the abortion resulted in a born alive infant or any medical action taken to preserve the life of the born live infant. And babies who survive abortions will no longer be counted under a new Minnesota pro-abortion law that is now in effect. Babies who survive abortion also have fewer rights after the state's Democratic leaders passed legislation in effect as of August 1st that lessens the medical care required for those infants. The new law removed a requirement that abortion reporting forms include information on whether the abortion resulted in a born-alive infant, any medical action taken to preserve the life of the born-alive infant, whether the born-alive infant survived, and the status of the born-alive infant, and should the infant survive. The law also changes the reasonable measures requirement to say that medical personnel should provide care for the infant who is born alive. There is no longer a requirement to preserve the life and health of the born alive infant. Now, I guarantee you, people are going to reply and say, hey, Minnesota is, say, is allowing for the murder of babies. And there's going to be fact checkers that come out and they're like, fact check, false. Actually, they just said that they can't, they're not required to provide them health care. So you tell me. If a mother takes home her child, and let's say the child is two years old, and the child is left locked in his room, and the mom leaves, 
and doesn't come back for days and comes back and the baby's dead. Did she murder that child? Absolutely. Of course. Who would say otherwise? And so the fact checker is going to come out. They're going to say, this is not true. This isn't a real story. You guys are making this up. If you refuse medical care to a child, medical care that is simple to give. Now, obviously, if it requires someone to say, oh, yeah, we have to have radical surgery to save the life of the baby. Well, that's a different ethical question. It's a different uh, question in medical ethics. But to just give them basic medical care, to feed the baby, to give them oxygen, things that are very, very simple and easy to do. No, you are murdering the child. It is a sin of omission to not provide for that child. It is a sin of omission that amounts to murder. Minnesota lawmakers have revoked basic protections for newborn babies. And now the fate of newborns who survive abortion will be hidden from the public, MCCL co-executive director Kathy Blaser stated. Why do lawmakers want to keep us in the dark? This appalling extremism is not what Minnesota asked for. Our elected officials must restore protection for newborns who are at risk. Now, you tell me. These people hate life. You tell me. What are we to do in a society that allows such evils? What are we to do? Yes, it's good to have rosary rallies and I promote them a hundred percent. In fact, we should be doing this all over Minnesota. We should do it all over Ohio too, where today, I mean, Rudy was talking about this earlier, is a very, very important day in Ohio. We should be praying for these laws to be overturned, but we have to take action. And what's the action that we must take? It's running for office. This is no reason. There is no possibility in my mind that the people of Minnesota agree with a Democrat party, with agree with the former Democrat Virginia governor, Raph Northman, who infamously endorsed infanticide. There's no possibility in my mind. I have at least enough faith in the American people to know that we don't believe in this. And so if we can have Catholics that can run for these offices in these states then we can actually change this. I guarantee you we can change this. And here's a lesson for us. Let's not seed the ground. We like to try to say and try to be pedantic and say, oh, well, you know, we don't want to ban abortions completely because then the Democrats will get mad at us because then we might not win votes. You know, you notice they never care about that. The left never cares about overstepping. They do the game of two steps forward, one step back. They will go as far left as you will possibly let them, and they'll wait for you to catch them. And they'll take a step back, and then they'll move forward again. And each time they do so, they are desensitizing you to the reality of what's going on. They're trying to push the narrative as far as possible, and when you stop them, you think you want a victory. You think that you won, but really, you just slowed down the revolution. You did not stop the revolution. And so we have to have a total victory. No other victory is allowed. No other victory is a victory. 
yes, let's let's celebrate the small victories when we when we win. But we cannot be complacent. We must be vigilant and we must recognize the tactic of the revolution because the revolution is continuing to march forward in the institutions. And the only way back is a total victory. We have to completely destroy these ideologies. We have to completely destroy these laws. It's not enough to say, okay, well, we'll protect babies from the heartbeat. We have to protect babies from conception. It has to be done. There is no compromise. And yes, if we need to win through gradualism, well, I'm okay with that. I'm not one of these people who says that it's all or nothing immediately. I'm saying it's all or nothing as the goal. The goal has to be all or nothing. That's the goal. How do we get to the goal? Well, we can get to it any way we can. If we can pass a law that says all or nothing immediately, oh, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's not do gradualism for the sake of gradualism. But if it's turned down, well, then let's take small bites. Let's influence the culture. The law is a teacher. So if we change the laws a little bit at a time, we will actually affect change. We'll change the minds of people. But we can only do this by running for office. We can only do this by pushing these ideas into the public sphere. So again, I guess the theme for today is uh, run for office, is take back what is ours. But you may not be able to run for office in the church, and you may not be able to elect your bishop and say, hey, I'm going to elect a good bishop. You may not be able to do that. The church is a monarchy, and I love it for it, for all its woes. But we have the situation. We are born into the situation that we are in America. We live in this Democrat Republic, Democratic Republic, and we seemingly have the ability to choose our leaders. And if that's the case, then let's choose them. Let's stop settling for the least worst option. Let's put in good people that can actually win. And maybe you can't win right now. We were talking about Dr. Taylor Marshall running for president. I never thought really that he would win. But it would be good to get the conversation rolling. He said he'll probably run in four years. That there just wasn't enough time right now for him to get a real campaign going. But you don't need to run for president right now. We need to affect the local sphere first. We need to attack the most small parts of our country and take that back. We create these moral victories and this victory that gives us morale to show that we can, in fact, win. So if you live in a small town, why not do that? How easy would it be to get all the people from your parish, to get a number of people from your parish, neighboring parishes, to run for office in your small town? Maybe if you live in a mega city like Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, things like that, it's much more difficult. But there's still things that you can change. Your local school your local community, your homeowners association, things like that. You can still change that. There's still things that you can do. Now, the ginormous cities, obviously, it's going to be very difficult. It's an uphill battle. But the tactic is the small towns, the cities that surround the suburbs, those cities that surround the mega cities. I mean, how many of you work in the city but live outside of the city? I mean, that's a lot of people. Many people do things like that. And you could affect change in that city. You could affect change very easily. So let's encourage people to go down that route to actually change the laws because we are living in the city of the devil. 
and this does not bode well for us. For when a city is destroyed, the good and the bad are caught up together. It cannot be a distinction between us. We're not going to be raptured, as the Protestants think. Whenever the chastisement comes, the good and the bad alike will suffer. The rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. And so we have to create a moral nation. We have to convert souls. And if it's running for office is not for you, well, why don't you convert your brother? Why don't you convert your sister? Why don't you convert your neighbor? You, what if you have one person in your office that you talk to, that you kind of are buddy-buddy with. Why don't you make that person the person that you're going to love for the next year? The person you're going to love into the kingdom of heaven. The person you're going to invite to the conversion of souls. For every soul we convert, I'd say soul saved. And then we could do that. If you just target just one person, just one person, say this person, I'm going to save them. By God's grace, I'm going to save them. I'm going to pray for them every day and I'm going to talk to them about our Lord. We could actually change the world this way. If every single person did that, and then you got that person then to do it after they are converted. Imagine we could convert the world. We just have to have the courage. We just have to have the faith. We just have to have the trust. And we have to have the knowledge. Which means we have to do study. We have to listen to Catholic radio. We have to listen to things that are going to feed our faith, feed our knowledge, so we could be good stewards and good soldiers in the fight for the salvation of souls. When we come back, Debbie Giorgiani is going to come on to talk to us about families, the destruction of families, very concerning situation, but we'll have some hope there as well. When we come back, don't go anywhere. You're not going to want to miss it. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder, yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues, such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices they despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg. I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. So I need help 
I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Celebrating the culture of life. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Here at KSHJ, 1430 AM, Houston, Texas, we don't mess with the truth. We hear it, live it, and love it. Now, this is super interesting. Amy had a great comment. She said, the desensitization is real. I heard a lecture yesterday from a former witch who came from generations of witches. One of the things he said is that the television is a spellcaster and one of the best. He said his foster mother was a producer on the show, Bewitched, of all things. Hmm. Huh. It's almost like they're going to tell you exactly what they're doing. <laughs> I always say this. I always say this. When your enemy tells you their plans, you should listen. Like They're probably telling you the truth. They're probably going to... They're boasting. They're boasting in the same way that we boast in the Lord. They boast in their father, which is the devil. So, Yikes. I like to keep that in mind whenever we see these insane stories going on throughout the world. Now, I think this other story is very interesting. Um, the whole situation in World Youth Day is just absolute insanity. And, you know, we haven't even got to the topic of, uh, <laughs> of what Pope Francis is doing, of what he said when he was there. It was just... Tragic. Anthony Esselon wrote an excellent article about this exact thing on Crisis Magazine. And I thought it was um, a very interesting analysis of the situation. Uh, the title of the article is called Article. Article. The article is called Soccer Over Dogma? Question mark. In spite of the Pope's seeming preference for soccer over dogma, proclaiming the truth of the Catholic faith, being dogmatic leads to more joy and happiness, not less. It's interesting. Pope Francis was like, he was talking about about Catholics, and he said that the ultra conservatives and the the far right extremists are are not good. We need to play soccer instead. And I was like, that's kind of a strange thing for the vicar of Christ on earth to talk about. And when he was talking about this, a lot of people were posting pictures of of trad priest playing soccer in their cassocks, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, like. Trad priests also play soccer, Holy Father. Like, they're not just, uh, they're normal people, too. And they like to play soccer and play sports, and they just do it in their cassocks. Uh, just like you see the religious sisters. There you see the religious sisters playing sports in their, in their uh, habits. It's a beautiful thing to see. And so it's, it's just kind of amusing, and I thought it was funny because, um, yeah, as if playing soccer actually changes something foundational about who we are, right? Now, here the article says they should not have disrupted the mass, not least because they thus gave plenty of undeserved publicity to a small group of gay people who are proud in their disobedience. The celebrant Father James Allison is, according to the National Catholic Reporter, an openly gay priest. 
It's not clear what that means, nor it is entirely clear that he's permitted to celebrate Mass, but let's concede the point. We're talking about the gay Mass that happened that um, Rudy mentioned earlier in the show. That happened in Portugal. And, you know, I ask again, like, did you donate to send uh, people to World Youth Day? Like, they were taking up collections of a lot of parishes to send youth to World Youth Day. And I just wonder, did you donate? I mean, I'm not saying that it's a sin to donate for this cause because, I mean, you probably didn't know. But this is where your money's going. You're sending young people to go to the events where this is available to them. Like, that's just absolute absurdity. It's absolute absurdity to think that this is something that is being allowed at an event that's overseen by the Holy Father. That's utter insanity. Now, meanwhile, these things are happening, and Pope Francis is uh, encouraging priests to play soccer rather than, in the first instance, to preach dogma. He said, soccer is a better means of getting young people interested in the church than is wagging a crooked finger at them for doing wrong. Anthony Esselon says, yes, that certainly may be true, and which half-decent priests or evangelists in the world would deny it. And I would, I would deny it, actually. I would say I don't really think that any young person is going to be attracted to the faith because they see a priest playing soccer. Now, it may be fun to do, and I would, uh, I, I mean, I know priests who, during the summers, they have a basketball night where they have the, the priest and the other, the priests that live there in community invite the men of the parish over and they play basketball together. Um, they allow uh, the young men as well, 18 years old, to come out and they play basketball, have fellowship. Nothing wrong with that. But that's not what's going to convert people. It's not going to convert anyone to play basketball or soccer with people. That doesn't show us why I should be Catholic. That just shows me that I like to have a good time. This is the ultimately the error that we see here. Ultimately, the error that we find is that we're trying to use things that are not going to ultimately change who we are. We're not calling people to something great. We have to challenge people. It has to be difficult. If we only ask for easy things, it just will not, it will not inspire. It doesn't convert. It just makes me think, oh yeah, that was fun. And you know, this kind of reminds me of William Buckley Jr. In around 1979, and in the National Review, he wrote this. As a Catholic... I have abandoned hope for the liturgy in the typical American church. It's as ugly and as melodrite as if it had been composed by Robert Ingersoll and H.L. Minchin for the purpose of driving people away. Incidentally, the modern liturgists are doing a remarkably good job. Attendance at Catholic Mass on Sunday having dropped sharply in the 10 years since a few well-meaning Cretans got hold of the power to vernacularize the mass and the money to score the earth in search of the most unmusical men and women to preside over the translation. The new liturgical ceremony conducted primarily for my benefit, since I have no plans to be beatified or remarried, will be my own funeral and is a source of great consolation to me that at my funeral I shall be quite dead and will not need to listen to 
the accepted replacement for the noble old Latin liturgy. Meanwhile, I am practicing yoga so that at church on Sundays I can develop the power to tune out everything I hear while attempting to athwart the general calisthenics to commune with my maker and ask him first to forgive me my own sins and implore him, second, not to forgive the people who ruined the Mass. That's William Buckley Jr. Now, William Buckley Jr. was no theologian. He was not a Catholic commentator. I mean, he was a Catholic and he was a commentator, but he was a commentator on politics, on culture. And he here shows that he's, I'm, he's thinking, I am just wanting to be a faithful son of the church. I'm going to Mass on Sunday, even though I think this Mass is garbage and I don't want to do it. I don't want to be here, but I'm going anyway because I'm a Catholic and I believe in the Catholic faith. But he's telling us, he's saying, look, this Mass is driving people away. It's driving people away, and it's been doing so for 10 years. This is 1979. He says this, and this is what we're seeing today. We're trying to meet the culture and trying to say, oh, yeah, yeah, totally, 100%. We're going to convert the world by, by what? By being like the world? It hasn't worked. William Buckley Jr. was saying it wasn't working 10 years after they tried it to begin with. 10 years. We had a decade to try it. William Buckley, looking back, says, thank you, God, that I will be dead so I won't even have to witness my funeral mass. This kind of uninspiring liturgies, uninspiring teachings, this call to nothing converts no one and drives people away. We have to encourage heroic virtue. It's the only thing. Why do you think people who who hate on Andrew Tate, and obviously there are good things to hate about him, or there are bad things to hate about him, I guess. People who do that, why do you think young people are attracted to him? Why do you think that? Is it just young people are so evil and bad that they like bad people? No, it's because he's encouraging people to do things that are difficult. That's why. And if the church isn't going to do it, then the secular world will do it. Then the Muslims will do it. Andrew Tate said he became a Muslim because he looks at America and says, if this is what a Christian nation looks like, you can blaspheme the holy name of Jesus all over the place and no one's going to do anything. He's like, in the Muslim countries, if you blaspheme Muhammad, they'll kill you. Now, obviously, I'm not telling encouraging killing people. But what I am saying is that Catholics have to call people to a serious faith. When uh, they came out that said Porsche, the country, the the car company erased Jesus from their ad. What are we going to do? Are we going to keep buying Porsches? Now, obviously, I can't afford a Porsche, so I'm going to boycott them either anyway. But this is a problem. This is a real problem. We don't stand up for the faith. We don't say, absolutely not, you're not allowed to do that. And we will fight to prevent that from happening. We should encourage our young people not to cave in to the culture but to rise up against the culture. This is the call to every man and woman to be virtuous. This is such a big problem because everybody says, well, I'm a good person. I'm not bad. What does it mean to be a virtuous person? And what does it mean to be a bad person? If you are good, you are virtuous. You have the four cardinal virtues and the three theological virtues, faith, hope, charity, temperance, justice, fortitude, and prudence. 
And if you're a vicious person, you have the opposite. And that makes you a bad person. So if you are not virtuous, then you are bad. And if you're a bad, it's okay. You can become good. It's not like you're stuck in your badness. Recognize it. Say, I'm going to conquer my passions. St. Dominic, that holy man, St. Dominic, he did not allow for this kind of malaise to come over people. He said, a man who governs his passions is master of the world. We must either rule them or be ruled by them. It is better to be a hammer than the anvil. This is what we're called to. You don't need these modern Stoics to tell us how to be virtuous, but they're the ones that are doing it. No one else is. So what do you think young men are going to follow? I would prefer if they followed St. Dominic and say, yes, I am going to be a hammer, not an anvil. I'm going to subdue my passions. I'm going to chastise myself. I'm going to go and work out, not as shadow boxing, as St. Paul would say, but I'm going to run the race. Our Lord is calling us to a very high life. He is calling us to great virtue, not to little virtue. And this kind of mealy mouth Catholicism that says, well, let's just be nice. Let's play games. Let's have a rave. Let's play degenerate music. Because, you know, if we told the young people that they need to stop listening to trash music, well, they might not like us. So instead, let's just have club music at mass. Let's encourage club music among young people. No, instead, I'm going to say the opposite. I'm going to say, cast it off. If you want to be a man, if you want to be virtuous, well, I'm calling you to be virtuous. I'm calling you to do something difficult. Yes, you may like the music. It may make you happy. But ultimately, it does not make you a good person. And so I'm going to say, yes, be virtuous. Cast these things away. Cast these things away and do the hard thing. And that's what—that's the trick, isn't it? It's hard. It's hard, but nothing in life that comes easy is worth it. It's only the things that are difficult that have any value and that you will value. You won't value anything that comes easy. If you get something just because, if it just gets to you, you don't value it. You don't take care of things that don't belong to you. We see this all the time when people are given things for free and they don't care about it. It gets destroyed. But if you worked hard for it, if you made the money and you bought the land to get the pearl of great price, to get the treasure buried in the land, then you will value it more. So let's call people to greater virtue and not to complacency. Let's go to fear and trembling, though. Speaking of working hard, you could work hard and actually win a prize today. How do you do so? Call now, 877-757-9424, You can be the winner. How do you do so? You call in. We always take the first caller, so call now, 877-757-9424. One last time, you, be the, you could be the first caller, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. In your view, was the Virgin Mary simply an obedient woman who willingly gave biological and maternal matter to Jesus and therefore has been given undue adoration? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Virgin Mary is in the first book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, all through the Gospels and close to 15 other typologies throughout Scripture. Secondly, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most revered object in the history of the children of Israel. That ark carried the presence of God. Well, goodness, the Virgin Mary did not just carry the presence of God. She carried God himself. Thirdly, something to think on. If God is a father, he is, and we are known as his children, we are, and the body of Christ are called brothers and sisters, they are. Wouldn't God provide a mother for his church? He did. So here's an idea. Ask a wartime veteran whose soldiers cry out for in a moment of fear. That's right, their mother. Mother Mary, pray for us. Ever feel like life's just too much? Maybe it's time for a change. God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace today, begin at catholicscomehome.com. I used to wonder if God really cared about me. Then I started praying and going to church. I realized that God in my life was the difference between occasionally being happy and finding lasting joy. If you're looking for something more, check out catholicscomehome.com. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of the game show Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could win. Now, how do you win, you may ask? You may be wondering, um, wait, win? What are we talking about here? Well, I have something for you. Because we are playing the Fear and Trembling Game Show, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where I have three Catholic Trivia questions. You may say, wait a second, I don't know Catholic Trivia. Well, that's okay, because the trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, instead, I'm going to ask Senor Carlos, Rudy Carlos over here. He's going to ask, he's going to answer the questions, and you're going to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? You know, Adrian, Father Lassance once said, quote, pictures, and I mean only good, pure pictures are consolers of loneliness and a relief to the troubled mind. They are windows to the imprisoned heart. They're books, history, sermons, which we can read without the trouble of turning over the leaves or straining the eyes, unquote. That being said, the prize pack this week is sponsored by Nicole Lanthier Arts, and you can win a beautiful Catholic print for your domestic church. Now, Nicole is a wife and a mother of five, and her home studio is located here, uh, well, I, I mean here in the south, in southwest Louisiana, very close to us here in Houston. All of the Catholic art that she designs in her shop are her own original works, and she hopes that her work is going to be a blessing to your Catholic home or a special gift to those who you love. Now, if you'd like to support her works or... Uh, you know, you know, help her five children go to a wonderful Catholic school and put groceries on her table. Check out her Etsy page, which is etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash N-I-C-H-O-L-E-L-A-N-T-H-I-E-R. That's Nicole Lanthier. Or follow her on Instagram, the same spelling, at 
Nicole Lanthier. Thank you so much, Nicole, for generously sponsoring Fear and Trembling this week. Thank you very much for being a sponsor on our game show. Now, we have a, a number of callers come in, so if you're not the caller today, well, make sure that you call back in tomorrow because we still have more opportunities to win. We still have a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, three more opportunities to win this week's prize, so make sure that you are here the rest of the week as well. Uh, but joining us right now is Albert. Good morning to you, Albert. Good morning. Al, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Rockville, Maryland. I listen on uh, the GRN in Maryland, WMET. Hey. Radio for your soul. Praise to God. There you go. Praise to God. We love to get a Maryland caller. We rarely get callers from Maryland, so it's always a special treat when we get one. So God bless you. Maryland, my Maryland. Amen. Amen. There you go. How are things up there? Uh, we had a really bad storm yesterday, but the sky is clear this morning. Well, nice. praise be God for that. Al, where are you heading this morning? Actually, I'm off from work. I just came from our local recycling center, and I'm going to get my wife a chai on my way home. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Praise be to God. Well, I hope you have a good, restful day off from work. And it's uh, that you don't uh, have to do too many things around the house today to get a little bit of relaxation, I hope. Um. It's a long list. It's a long list. Well, there you go, folks. It's all right, Al. Well, you're familiar with the game show, I'm sure. Um, do you know how to play? Yes. Okay. Oh, perfect. yes. I played before. Oh, well, praise be to God, Al. Well, then you know that you, there can be tricks on the show. You may, in fact, have to keep your ears tuned to make sure you are not deceived. Are you ready to play? Yes. All right. Let's jump into it. Question number one for you, Rudy. Mm-hmm. The question is, what are the three sources of temptation? The three sources of temptation. Yes. The three sources. Just, just three? There's just three. There's only three. <laughs> oh, okay. Never mind. Okay. So that's potatoes. Uh-huh. I love potatoes. Yeah, they, they, so they, they do not love me. Any kind of potato, of I'll take them. Chocolate. Okay. Mm-hmm. And sleep. Mm. That was me Those this morning. Are the three temptations. Right I hit there. the snooze button like <laughs> six times you. this morning. Really? Yeah. I was like, Dang. snooze. And snooze. Not getting up. <laughs> very tempted potatoes chocolate and sleep all right al 15 seconds on the clock the question on the board is what are the three sources of temptation and rudy seems to think it's potatoes particularly i would say fries um chocolate and sleep, sleep. what say you al oh, are those the three sources of temptation um what say you al from they maryland are, they are not they are not. Yes, they are not. He's virtuous. He's, he knows. He says it's not. And that is correct. <laughs> that is, in fact, correct, Al. Do you know what they are? Oh, you... boy. Nah, it's okay. I won't put you I on the spot. I would say uh, your, 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 your passion, the devil, and uh, man. That's very close. That's, yeah, it's really good. It's the world, the flesh, and the devil. We could say the flesh is there the passions, go. and that works there. And the devil and the world, the world, the flesh, and the devil are the, the three temptations, three sources of temptation. So very good, Al. Praise be to God. Are you ready for question number two? I am ready. All right, let's do it. All right, Rudy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
that funny little tower that kind of leans over. Yes, I'm yeah. an, an expert in classical architecture. Ah, mm-hmm. yes. I've noticed this. I've noticed this. Well, that leaning tower, known as the leaning tower of pizza. Not pizza. Not I, pizza? When oh, I was younger, okay. I thought it was the leaning tower of pizza. And I was like, that sounds delicious. I was very disappointed to find out it was not made of pizza. Hmm. Um, what is the function of that tower? <laughs> have you ever wondered what's inside this tower? Yeah. Because it looks like have. there's floors, right? Right. Well, it turns out there aren't any floors in there. No. It's actually a bell tower for really? Santa Maria Assunta, or the Assumption of Our Lady Church. Really? In Italy. Yeah. Oh, that's it's a bell saying. tower. I guess, you know, in Italy, it makes sense. Um, I was thinking it was going to be housing dough for pizza. Now, something like that. many people don't know this, but the reason why it's leaning so hard mm. is because the bellboy, he was yanking the chain so hard that he actually, over the time, just started leaning the tower. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he was calling everybody to mass. Wow. Well, there you go, folks. All righty, Al. 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, what is the function of the leaning tower of Pisa? Rudy seems to think it's the bell tower for Santa Maria Santa or the Assumption of Our Lady Church. What say you, Al, from Maryland? No, he's wrong. It's an observatory. It's an observatory, he says. Uh, are you sure you're going to go with that? I'm going to go with observatory. You're going to go with an observatory. All right. Um, the that's that is apparently <laughs> incorrect. Maybe it's an observatory today. Is it now, is it now an observatory? Hmm. I'd have to look that up. But I I just looked it up and it says it's the cathedral bell tower in Pisa, Italy. Oh, uh, so. Um, oh well. Yeah. So there you go, folks. It's a bell tower. Is it actually, Rudy? Is it actually leaning because of uh, the ringing of the bell? Yeah, they were. No, no. I think it was actually a foundational. Thing. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. I was like, I was like, I was gonna call you. I was like, I don't know if that's actually. I don't know. Maybe that is true. I don't know. Bells are heavy. That would be some pretty poor construction. It could be. It would be. <laughs> the altar boy was yanking the chain too hard. You know, I've, I don't know. I've those bells, man. I've seen them break, and I'm like, whoo, those. I mean, they're hefty, hefty things. All right, Al, don't worry. You're in for one so far, and I'm sure you're going to get this last one right. I'm looking That's at it. All right, it. I'm having a great time. Oh, perfect, That's perfect. Right. I'm having a great time and love being on the radio. Praise be to God. We love to have you on. Well, this next question, I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking that you're, I pro- you'll probably get this one right. You'll probably get this one right. Let's jump into it. Question number three for you, Rudy. Okay. What does the title of the Vespers hymn? Ave Maris Stella mean? It is one of the most beautiful hymns. It really is. It's amazing. I love it, actually. I, I sing it all the time in Would my head. Would you say you loves it? I loves it. It means Hail Star of the Sea. Hail Star of the Sea. And Ave Maris Stella. Yeah, I'm going to be singing this one so that I don't sink in the boat that I'm going to be in today. Oof. <laughs> there you go. There you go, folks. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful hymn for those who have not heard it. But the question is, is that the translation? So, Al, 15 seconds on the clock. The question for you is, what does the title of the Vespers hymn, Ave Maristella, mean? Well, Rudy seems to think it means hell, star of the sea. What say you, Al, from Maryland? I think, I think Rudy is correct because my cousin has a daughter named Stella. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. Praise you, God. Well, let's find out whether or not you are correct. We're going to check that. And the answer is correct. Way to go, Al. Yes, that is, in fact, correct. Uh, Our Lady, Star of the Sea. 
pray for us. What a beautiful thing. All right, Al, praise be to God. You're in two out of three. Those are pretty good odds, I would argue. Uh, so way to go. Thank you very much. Well, praise be to God, and I hope you have a very blessed day. You have a good day off of work and that your uh, wife enjoys her chai tea, and it sounds delicious. Um, but praise be to God, we'll make sure to, to uh, pray for you, and we'll uh, please pray for us. I do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we're going to put you on hold to make sure we get your contact information, so don't go anywhere, and we'll get, get your information. So if we draw your name on Friday, we can make sure to get that prize to you. Thank you very much, Rudy. Uh, uh, Adrian, sorry, Adrian and Rudy. There you go. No Praise be to God. No problem. Um, it's okay. We uh, we both look alike. So, <laughs> all right, we're Al, brothers. Put you Christ. on hold. <laughs> and that's gonna do it for the radio side. If you can join us in the after show, we would love to have you. Uh, how do you do so? Hop on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, Twitter, and you can chat with us in the after show. Um, so make sure you do so. We'd love to interact with you directly. It'll be a great conversation. And so make sure you do so. We'd love to have you. And you just have to look us up. You can always go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. All of our information is listed there. And you can always hop on our social media streams and interact with us directly. We'd love to have you. It'd be a great time. Um, whatever it is you want to talk about, we'll talk about that. And I have some news for you. Some breaking news. Some information that I'm only going to share with people who are in the after show. So if you want to join us, hop on and we'd love to interact with you. If not, we'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you tomorrow. And remember, Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Alleluia. Alleluia. We'll see you back very soon. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. All right. We are back. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass live from Our Lady of Corpus Christi, home of the Soul community. For more information, visit salt.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Dominic, priest and founder. We offer this holy sacrifice of the Mass for all of our online viewers and all those listening to Guadalupe Radio Network. For all the saints who from their labors rest, who thee by faith be for the world confessed. Thy name, O Jesus, be forever blessed. Alleluia. Alleluia. 
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. May St. Dominic come to the help of your church by his merits and teachings, O Lord. And may he who was an outstanding preacher of your truth be devoted intercessor on our behalf through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. A reading from the book of Numbers. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses on the pretext of the marriage he had contracted with a Cushite woman. They complained, Is it through Moses alone that the Lord speaks? Does he not speak through us also? And the Lord heard this. Now Moses himself was by far the meekest man on the face of the earth. So at once the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the meeting tent. And the three of them went. And the Lord came down in the column of cloud, and standing at the entrance of the tent, called Aaron and Miriam. When both came forward, he said, Now listen to the words of the Lord. Should there be a prophet among you, in visions will I reveal myself to him. In dreams will I speak to him. Not so with my servant Moses. Throughout my house he bears my trust. Face to face I speak to him, plainly and not in riddles. The presence of the Lord he beholds. Why then did you not fear to speak against my servant Moses? So angry was the Lord against them that when he departed and the cloud withdrew from the tent, there was Miriam, a snow-white leper. When Aaron turned and saw her a leper, he said to Moses, Ah, my Lord, Please do not charge us with the sin that we have foolishly committed. Let her not thus be like the stillborn babe that comes forth from its mother's womb with its flesh half consumed. Then Moses cried to the Lord, Please, not this. Pray, heal her. The word of the Lord. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. Have mercy on me, O God, in your goodness, in the greatness of your compassion, wipe out my offense. Thoroughly wash me from my guilt, and of my sin cleanse me. 
Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. For I acknowledge my offense, and my sin is before me always. Against you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned, that you may be justified in your sentence, vindicated when you condemn. Indeed, in guilt was I born, and in my sin my mother conceived me. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. A clean heart create for me, O God, and a steadfast spirit renew within me. Cast me not off from your presence, and your Holy Spirit take not from me. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and proceed him to the other side of the sea, while he dismissed the crowds. After doing so, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, already a few miles offshore, was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At once Jesus spoke to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hands and caught him, and he said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? After they got into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat did him homage, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. After making the crossing, they came to land at Gennesaret. When the men in that place recognized him, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought to him all those who were sick and begged him that they might touch only the tassel on his cloak, and as many as touched it were healed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the section on the sacraments, there's the woman touching the tassel of Jesus's cloak. What is a tassel that was commanded by the Lord God to Moses to place on the cloak as a sign of covenant faithfulness? That the reply the Israelites gave when the Lord said, will you obey the commandments the Lord God gave you? They said, yes, we will obey. Yes, we will follow you. Yes, we will submit. This is what that tassel is. Covenant holiness is obedience to God. Now, many people who are injured by authority or perhaps have what you might call a father wound always like to put obedience as submission. 
I do what you say, I do what you want. I, my freedom is taken away and now I replace it with you and you're in charge of me. But somebody who does it out of love sees that it's a matter of meeting their father, a, a matter of walking with them, of wanting to please your father, want, wanting him to be happy. But not only that, wanting to live with them in communion. Obedience is about communion with the Most Holy Trinity. And the thing you've realized very quickly about the Trinity is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live in perfect obediential community to one another. In other words, obedience is a model of this is how you love. This is how you live. You really love one another is that you, you have humility before the other person. You abnegate. You, you can ne negate your very self and turn to the other and live in communion. Now, God has given mankind a beautiful... What, what, what happened to, for salvation is the Father has given His Son so that we can enter into this obedience relationship, this relationship of obedience. And that's the, our redemption. But that, since that's not enough, God gave us another means of... of well, a, a supplementary means, a sacramental called the Holy Rosary. The Rosary is conforming your life to the life of Jesus. It's entering into the life of Jesus, his infancy, his home life, his work life, his ministry, his dying on the cross, his suffering, his pain, and then entering into his glory, his victory, his grace. And that's what it is. It's entering into Christ in obedience and communion. Notice Miriam and uh, you know they they fell out of communion with god and that was the result was leprosy there is a very real disease of being incapable of being in relationship and it's not just disobedience it's an incapacity to really be one with another like an in, a dissatisfaction a malcontent a, i don't want to be one with anyone and there is there is this kind of weird thing in the church today people they just don't want to be in communion with anybody, you know, and they splinter and splinter and splinter. And I'm not talking about splintering Protestant, you know, going off and, and saying, I don't agree with Peter and I don't agree with anyone else. I'm talking about people who go out the other back door of the church. They're just never satisfied. Nobody is ever holy enough. Nobody's ever good enough. It's just, you know, it's, and it's a dissatisfaction of being in communion, of walking in communion, of having humility. It's a very dangerous posture to get in. Well, praying the rosary and walking with the successor of St. Peter and being in communion with the Catholic Church is a way of healing that, of just saying it's okay. You know, put down your weapons, put down your survival mode. You're going to be okay. And this is what Our Lady does, our Blessed Mother in the Holy Rosary. And thanks be to God and thanks be to St. Dominic for giving us this Rosary. I just want to close with, I remember preaching a Dominican Rosary where you preach all of the, the mysteries. There were these kids in this little tiny island in the Philippines, and they were praying and kneeling and sitting on the concrete for an hour and a half. And we were praying this, we prayed two, uh, two um, mysteries of the Rosary. That's ten decades of the Rosary, where I preach for two, three minutes, and then we pray. And like I thought, and so did the rest of the adults, like, oh, let's... I'm sure these kids are getting tired. And they were like screaming, No! We want to finish the whole rosary. It was so cool. It was this amazing gift that when you enter into the life of Jesus, 
you can never get enough. That, that Jesus is our life. And once we do it in a powerful and maybe charismatic way where you, you're able to enter in in real fact, you never want to leave that communion with Jesus. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that the church may shine forth with the holiness of Jesus Christ, that God may raise up saints of this, this generation. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for our Holy Father, especially gathered together with the young people of the world for World Youth Day, that God may bless them, make them holy, and bring them to communion with the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for our government leaders, that they may not obstruct Christ. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. We pray for all of our beloved all of the sick, the suffering, the poor, that we may have the mind of Christ to serve. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for all of our beloved dead, that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray to the Lord. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ. And through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary's, we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Attend mercifully to the prayers we offer you, O Lord, by the intercession of St. Dominic, and through the great power of this sacrifice, strengthened by the protection of your grace, those who champion the faith through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For as on the festival of St. Dominic you bid your church rejoice, so too you strengthen her by the example of his holy life, teach her by his words of preaching, and keep her safe in answer to his prayers. And so with a company of angels and saints we sing the hymn of your praise, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, 
Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, Leni Sunceli Eterha, Gloria Tuha, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it. This is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be coerced to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Recepte salutaribus moniti, et divin institutioni formati, audehemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuum nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, secut in celo et in terra, Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, 
et emita novis debita nostra, sicut et nos demitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed liberanos a mahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace, I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Quid polis peccatam mundi, miserere hobis, agnus Dei. Quid polis peccatam mundi, donna nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon This is the steward, faithful and prudent, whom the Lord set over his household to give them their allowance of food at the proper time. This is act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, my Lord, my God, my all, how can I love thee as I have? And how we be here this wondrous day, so far surpassing hope or thought. 
Sweet sacrament we thee adore, O make us love more and more, O make us love more and more. Had I but Mary's sinless heart, with which to love thee, dearest King. Oh, with what purse of fervent praise thy goodness, Jesus, would I sing. Sweet sacrament we thee adore, O oh, make us love thee more and more. O oh, make us love thee more and more. Thy body, soul, and Godhead all, O oh, mystery of love divine. I cannot compass all I have, for all thou hast, and art is mine. Sweet sacrament we thee adore, O oh, make us love thee more and more, O oh, make us love be more and more. Let us pray. May our church, O Lord, receive with wholehearted reverence the power of this heavenly sacrament by which we have been nourished on the commemoration of St. Dominic. And may your church, having nourished by means of his preaching, be helped through his intercession through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in the peace of Christ. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita Ducedo, Et Spes Nostra Salve, Ante Clamamus, Exulus filii heve, ante suspiramus, gementes et flentes, in hoc lacrimarum vale. Ea ego, advocata nostra, in los tuos misericordes oculos, ad nos converte. At Jesum. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits, who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. This is Dr. Ken Buckle from Grazia Plain.